You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Well, we've already started to break down Super Bowl 56. There it is, the Bengals and the Rams. We'll get all into that matchup there next week. Breaking it down in full four as we get closer to the game. We have a better understanding of who's playing, who's not, how the matchup is kind of materializing and getting some feel on that. Uh, you can check out my early preview of the game at sportingnews.com. Here, we're going to start reacting to what we just saw here on the weekend, all on Sunday here. So the Bengals come back to upset the Chiefs in Kansas City in the AFC. The long shot makes it as the number four seed. The Rams were also the number four seed. They knock off the number six seed 49ers here. So they lost to the the 49ers twice in the regular season come back and bite them here while the Bengals sweep the Chiefs in the two big games there in Week 17 and this one as well. So, surprising Super Bowl, but an exciting Super Bowl with a lot of good offensive talent there. It's going to be a lot of fun to break that down from a fantasy football perspective, look at the front prop bets, all that good stuff that comes with the Super Bowl. So, we'll bring all that to you here, and I'll be there in the middle of next week there for Super Bowl 56. So, Maybe some special content there that'll come out of it, crossing over with some of our uh, other network shows here. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen to every day. We are free and available to you on all platforms. All right, it's uh, time to break down Bengals Chiefs and what we saw in that game. It was a tale of two halves plus overtime for the Chiefs. They dominated the first half, scored 21 points. They only scored three points the rest of the way. Those came in the final seconds of regulation as they were fortunate to tie the game there against the Bengals. The Bengals did not get the ball first in overtime, but Patrick Mahomes goes Brett Favre and Matt Hasselbeck and throws an interception there in overtime. So the Bengals were set up. They drove it down the field. The Chiefs were worn down, and the Bengals got the game-winning field goal from their money rookie kicker, Evan McPherson. So what we'll do is break it down. We'll first look at the Bengals and how they won this game and where they're headed here with their offense. And then we'll look at uh, what lies ahead for the Chiefs in the offseason, some concerns there. Briefly, we'll go in-depth with every team and their offseason plans here as we go forward. we got the free agency period and the draft we have to break down as well. So a lot of good stuff coming in the offseason here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. For the Bengals, they get to move on. Their offseason does not begin here. Another big game for T. Higgins. We talked about T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. It was a little bit quieter for Tyler Boyd. What happened here was that the Bengals put T. Higgins in the slot, and he just dominated. He was just open all day long in the middle. He goes over 100 yards. Jamar Chase, it was a little bit slow getting going, but once they got the ball to him underneath and worked it to him in the red zone, Jamar Chase was in business, got a touchdown, didn't make a big play, but we knew that was going to happen. You knew the Chiefs were going to overcorrect from giving up 266 yards to Jamar Chase. So we said T. Higgins was a guy we wanted to get in all lineups. He came through. We got Tyler Boyd in a few. He's a bit disappointing. 
especially given CJ Uzama got hurt early in the game. We thought, okay, this is going to help Boyd in the middle of the field because they're not going to throw as much to Drew Sample here working in the middle for Joe Burrow. But good wrinkle there putting Higgins in the slot. If you recall, in a game against the Ravens, they put Jamar Chase in the slot. So I really like that by Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. Get the receivers that are versatile into the right matchups. And they've done that quite a bit. Chase and Higgins... Very dangerous outside. Chase is a vertical threat on the outside. Higgins has that classic possession type size. But you get them in the middle field with room to work with, scared of the big play from Chase, you're going to get those big chunks. And that's what we saw from T. Higgins. So Higgins, I think I myself undervalue this guy. Jamar Chase was a flashy guy putting up big numbers. But Higgins was right there as a wide receiver too in a lot of games. There were some quiet games he had when Chase went off, but... Higgins is very consistent. I don't think this combination is going to slow down anytime soon. And Boyd, again, as there was more confidence from Joe Burrow and they could move around Higgins and Chase, they didn't need to rely as much on Boyd, who was Mr. Reliable just a few years ago for this team as their best receiver in the transition away from A.J. Green. But Chase and Higgins, I mean, Higgins, again, deserves more credit. And Chase, what a stud. He opens things up and has really helped the game of Higgins as well. Now, Samaje Ryan, if you took a dart throw on him, that he would make one play in this game, he did make one play. It was the first touchdown there for the Bengals, kind of sparked their offense. The screen game, very strong. They had Ryan there. Ryan could have had a second touchdown, I believe, on the play where he kind of ran the wrong direction, and the Bengals settled for a field goal, made it 21-13. If uh, he'd run the right way and Joe Burrow was on him for it, he would have scored another touchdown almost identical to that last touchdown. So the screen game is strong. So the Bengals almost enjoy the pressure on Joe Burrow. And when the Chiefs brought it extra, they like it. Because then it sets up these favorable short passes. Joe Burrow just destroys the blitz like most elite young quarterbacks that are smart and can make quick decisions do. And that's what you saw here is that the Chiefs came after him up front. And Chris Jones, remember that one play where... Jones almost had him, and they only sacked him one time. And that is the story of the game here, why the Bengals were able to come back. If you're not going to protect a lead, it usually comes down to not taking care of business on offense, slowing down, and then just totally not handling the other team in key situations. And that happened all game long. And eventually the Chiefs were just worn down because the Bengals did a great job of sticking to the run with Joe Mixon. Even when trailing, they got some chunk runs from Mixon. He really wore them down. And by the end there in overtime, he set up the chip shot field goal with the long run. Andy Reid was thinking that he might have fumbled and tried to challenge something there, but it was nothing there with Mixon in the end, and he just looked good here with 88 yards rushing in this game. And he was not as big a factor in the first one, that, but they realized they're playing deep and back, that things were going to open underneath, and uh, that's what he saw all day long with Chase Higgins. Mixon and Pirine taking advantage of that pressure uh, kind of eyes lighting up for the Chiefs but uh, I think Joe Burrow welcomes that for sure especially they couldn't get him with the front four there and that was great news for Burrow as well that was the only one sack so great uh, game actually by this offensive line by the Bengals and that was a big difference in the end and I think really looking at the Chiefs they look worn down I mean you cannot play back-to-back overtime games physical flying around, and they had to play the extra round. And that, that cost them. You didn't have that bye week. There's the number one seed. And they I think they needed that. They were kind of worn down at the end of the season. So they had to take care of business with the Steelers, which is good. But the Steelers can hit you a little bit. And then 
going overtime with the Bills and playing on Sunday, where the Bengals played on Saturday. I think they all contributed here to that. So the Bengals going forward looking really good offensively with the principles there. The Chiefs defense uh, has a lot of question marks after they gave up that big lead. But yeah, he gives them a chase of the principles. They'll keep Boyd around for a while to help there as a reliable player. CJ Ozama, unfortunately, had to be carted off, so it doesn't look good for him to play in the Super Bowl. But Drew Sample could see a bigger role here, and they could adjust well going into the Super Bowl. And uh, again, Mixon, P. Ryan, they pick good spots for P. Ryan to get in. And so I'm excited about what the Bengals offense can do against the Rams in Super Bowl 56. Now for the Chiefs. Pretty simple here. They're going to have to think about what are they going to be number two receiver. Miko Hardman is still under contract, but weird little tiff between Miko Hardman and Tyreek Hill in the game in terms of maybe who's getting the ball. Hardman had been awesome there against the Bills. He'd really come on strong as the number two that we've been looking for in fantasy to complement Hill, but man, I don't know. There's a little bit of dysfunction there. Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, these guys are involved. For some reason, they went away from Travis Kelsey, who was having a dominant game, scored a touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Also looked good early with the long score. Great pass by Mahomes. After a while, once Hill and Kelsey were taken away, what happened was the Chiefs refused to run consistently like they'd done for a long time. That They'd seen the zone defenses. They had adjusted. People were protecting against the depot. They did it even the first half of this game with Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But something, I think, had the Chiefs press like they had to score more. Maybe thinking about the Bills game where they just had to keep matriculating and score and do it quickly to build their lead and maybe they pressed a little bit and didn't take what was there given so I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes they have the tendency of keep looking for big plays and they weren't there in this game they pushed it last game they were very patient about it and they got the big plays anyway here I think the Bengals were a little bit more fundamental that they didn't break down they also were able to get a little bit better pressure with their front four with the uh, Definitely the ends having a big factor here. And Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard in the second half. You also had uh, B.J. Hill make the interception of Mahomes. So that Bengals defensive line came to play as well. So Chiefs got to adjust. They got to figure out who they're going to go forward with the backfield. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they used a first-round pick in 2020 on. They like him. But they also have to think about Jarek McKinnon now being a factor. And Daryl Williams, is he going to come back and be someone they like and value? Or do they want to go in a different direction or hedge their bets with another veteran? you think Edwards Alaire would go in as the guy and maybe fully healthy and maybe look at him as the versatile back where they can also throw to him, which was the strength of LSU. So a lot of question marks in that backfield. How much do they love McKinnon? How much do they want to bring him back? Remember, Damian Williams kind of carried over his playoff run to that. So backfield is a question. You have a Demarcus Robinson is a free agent. Byron Pringle is an okay player, but... They do have now the number 30 overall pick. Will they look at wide receiver help? There's a lot of players down there that could help. Jahan Dotson, he's a vertical threat from Penn State. Traylon Burks from Arkansas, just a good big target, as well as Drake London from USC. So these are some of the guys that are in play in the mock draft. They could also think about corner. Chavarius Ward has free agency ahead. Mike Hughes, so they could be thin there. They like Legereus Sneed at times. Tyron Matthews is a good linchpin, but... Secondary was rather weak. They didn't have that second cover man there. Rashad Fenton really got burned in the game. So they might think of an upgrade there. I like Roger McCreary of Auburn, Trent McDuffie of Washington, a couple corners that could help them there. But So I would say the Chiefs have to upgrade a little bit. Figure out running back. I think you got to upgrade offensive tackle. They took care of interior there with Creed Humphrey, signing uh, Joe Thune, and also getting Trey Smith. But the tackle is still a weak spot. Orlando Brown, even with that 
blockbuster trade. Orlando Brown was pretty up and down here. They had the injury there to the right side with Mike Remmers and Luis Niang. So they, they were a little bit struggling up front for the Chiefs. So offensive line, wide receiver, corner, these are some of the priorities for the Chiefs. Get that legitimate number two here. Hill is a good field stretcher. Kelsey's a good player. You work him inside. But I think they use a big body there on the other side. And a, a Burks from Arkansas or a London there from USC would be good options there. So a lot of question marks for the Chiefs. They're still very good. They're going to have a high floor with Patrick Mahomes every year. But couldn't quite hit their ceiling this year. Some of the problems they had in midseason resurfaced here in the championship game. All right, our next segment will break down for you 49ers and Rams and how that result turned out with the Rams winning 20-17. to I do first have to tell you about Built Bar. It's the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. I personally think it's better than a candy bar because I know it's going to be healthy for me too because Built Bar makes it easier for you and I to stick to our New Year's resolutions because it tastes so good you want to eat it unlike other protein bars which can be chalky, waxy, or some can even taste like a chemical spill. Built Bars are 100% delicious and look you want to eat healthy but it can get so boring and then you're saying oh I can't eat chocolate, I can't eat this. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate on top of being absolutely delicious with any of their flavors. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, and you know how bad candy bars are for you. 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So go out and now get rid of all your unhealthy snacks, wherever they are, replace them with Bilt Bars so you always have one when you're ready on the go. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least something healthy they're available to you and it's good for you and that's a built bar that way when you enjoy a delicious built bar you can almost count as a workout don't forget about the so many flavors to choose from coconut almond peanut butter brownie raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie just name a few and many many more in fact built is always coming out with new limited time flavors so check out built.com often to see what's new go to built.com and use the promo code lock 15 get 15 percent off your order use the promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15 percent off only at built.com. All right, we will dive into the 49ers Rams. Uh, the Rams advance, the 49ers go home, fall short of his second Super Bowl in three years. Thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available to you on all platforms. All right, 49ers, uh, they tried to beat the Rams to, uh, three times. They led 17-7, but the Rams score the final 13 points of the game. They're including the Winning field goal by Matt Gay. The 49ers did have to have one last response with under two minutes left in the game. 49ers looked like they could have sealed the game with a Joukowsky Tart interception, but he dropped it. 49ers had some other opportunities there. Didn't quite put the game away, and the Rams just had enough of an opening to take it here. So let's quickly look at the Rams and what's going on with them. Matthew Stafford looking awesome here after the red zone interception. It was bad then, but Cooper Cup really made Matthew Stafford look good here in the second half. Cup was just uncoverable, whether the 49ers blitzed and left him open one-on-one. Short passes, him running after the catch, stretching the field. Cooper Cup won an amazing season, and he's the guy that put the Rams in the Super Bowl. He's the MVP, and Stafford, again, just looks so good when Cooper Cup is making the big plays. But Odell Beckham Jr., his first 100-yard game as a Ram comes at an opportune time, so... 
Odell, I was a bit wrong on this one. I thought Odell might struggle here with the Rams as a complimentary player, but as the attention has grown on Cup and they've less been dependent on Van Jefferson there for big plays, they've been more about the route running and efficiency and hands, Beckham has become a bigger factor as the number two. They also needed to lean on Beckham more here with Tyler Higby going down. They did get a good game from Kendall Blanton as a complimentary tight end here, so that was a good development here for them with uh, Higby on the shelf. We'll see if Higby... Much like C.J. Uzama can play, I think Uzama is probably out for the Super Bowl. Higby, questionable at best here after he exited the game here. So that increased the volume there for Beckham in favorable matchups away from Cup because Cup is the center of attention. So Rams have a big decision. Von Miller there, do they want to bring him back? They invested a high pick in short-term rental for Von Miller ahead of free agency. Or no, Beckham Jr. being potentially the cheaper returnee here. They also have to weigh that Robert Woods is being paid a lot as well. So we'll see if uh, OBJ ends up being a rental and a placeholder for Woods. We know how special Robert Woods is. So if they had Woods back, and given they already have given him a big contract like Cup has, I'd say they would go in that direction. But for now, Beckham has ended up being a super sub and a great intuitive addition for the Rams because basically after they added Beckham for some depth and insurance, that's exactly when Woods went down. So... It kind of has lined up well where Beckham has kind of fully embraced that Woods role, the versatile route runner, not necessarily looking for the big plays, but just complimenting Cup here all over the field. And that's what you're seeing here, and that's Odell's breakout here for the Rams. So, again, that's going to continue there. Van Jefferson, they've targeted him deep a few times, but just isn't coming here with a deep ball. Matthew Stafford still struggling with interceptions, but they got through. Cam Akers got hurt in this game, and he also had Sonny Michel struggle a bit in the running game. There, the Rams have just not been able to run the ball effectively. We'll see that if that carries into the Super Bowl here. But they got to make a decision there. Do they want to carry Michelle? Do they like Daryl Henderson there next year? Do they want to uh, trust an Akers uh, coming off the major injury to just be the full workload guy? There are a lot of things that Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell, if he remains the Rams uh, offensive coordinator, have to figure out there. But for now, they're going to the Super Bowl. Their wide receivers are a big part of why they've been aggressive in the passing game with Stafford. And the Rams' defense came through big time. I know the 49ers had some misplay opportunities, but the Rams came and shut down the run. They looked pretty good. One of their best defensive performances in weeks here overall. And again, congratulations to them. They get back to Super Bowl. They were in Super Bowl 53. Now they'll be in Super Bowl 56. Now, on the 49ers' side of things, uh, big offseason questions loom ahead for them. Number one starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. They used the first-round pick. They traded up for Trey Lance in the 2021 draft. So it's presumed that they're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. They need to find a way to trade him here. They can save good cap money, and the contract is set up where they can recoup most of the money. They're not tied to him here. So I don't think it'll come out to an outright release. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a lot of appeal based on the lineup. It's here across the league a lot of quarterback questions at least as a backup I could see definitely him landing in a satellite place for the 49ers that would be Robert Sala and the Jets there if they need a new backup they've uh, recycled through quite a few backups there for Zach Wilson so I think at the worst case scenario that's where Jimmy Garoppolo will end up in some form but the 49ers are going to do their best to trade him so Jimmy played well they like him as a leader he did everything he could but he got to one Super Bowl, almost to another one. I think that's about it. Trey Lance, they got to unleash him as a runner and passer next year. You don't invest highly in a quarterback. And part of it is also the 49ers have been good about getting ahead of free agency issues. 
They moved on from Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Forrest Buckner replaced them quickly with Brandon Ayuk and Javon Kinlaw and saw the results there immediately. So the 49ers are are careful because they want to have enough money to stay a competitive high-level winning team when healthy with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. So again, Jimmy Garoppolo was a good run for him. He did what they needed. He upgraded this offense overall, helped them kind of settle with Debo Samuel and Ayuk and George Kittle. But now you got to push more for the ceiling, and Trey Lance with his running ability on top of his big arm is ready. He wasn't quite ready this year just because of his youth and inexperience, just not playing a lot of major college football. They're uh, just short to run with uh, North Dakota State, so they need a little bit of more time with Trey Lance, kind of uh, the season that he didn't have in college football last year, so... That went into it, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was also hard to get out of his contract. But now, that's possible to be done, so they'll move on. Now, George Kittle's locked in. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk's still pretty young here, so he's got some time. Now you have to worry about uh, Debo Samuel. So you figure the big extension's coming to Debo. That's another reason you have to move on from Garoppolo, so you can lock up Debo, save the rookie contract money via... Trey Lance there, so that's what's going to happen in San Francisco. You also have to worry about Nick Bosa coming up pretty soon as well on the defensive side. So Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, they invested in the right places on defense. I think they could look and upgrade at corner a little bit here. They had some good moments in this game with Emmanuel Mosley and others. K1 Williams has been serviceable, but I think they could use a upgrade at corner. Safety, we'll see Jaquaski Tart and uh, Jimmy Ward give them a little bit more here. Offensive line, I think they could... Working on that a little bit, Trent Williams probably can play for at least one more season here at a high level. Mike McGlinchey should come back at right tackle as well. So, you know, the 49ers offensively are fine. I think it'll be interesting to see how they transition from Garoppolo full-time to Lance of the dual threat there in 2022. And it's nice that we have a little bit of glance at Lance that he can be special in this offense and add another dimension to help the running game. Speaking of the running game, we'll see if Eli Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell, is the leader there. Do they feel a little bit better about Trey Sermon next year as a higher draft pick? Or do they say Elijah Mitchell is our workhorse going in and they'll probably clean house with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson and some of these other guys and figure it out just given their injury issues there in this backfield. And uh, Mitchell proved to be a little bit more durable. He had those injury issues during but this season early. But fifth-round pick, they like him there. They like his style of running, and I think he'll have a regular role there for him, if healthy, going into next season. All right, we will break down the new hires here. We only have four so far. There are nine opens in in the NFL. And we'll also uh, have a special show there about Tom Brady, should that actually go official with the Buccaneers and him and him walking away and see what that does here to the quarterback situations. But we have four teams of new coaches that we're looking for them. Surprisingly, five more teams to go. Nine teams is a lot to have openings. We do almost have half of them filled here, so we will talk about that in our final segment and what that means for those teams for offense and fantasy football. Hey, fantasy football fans, this is Vinny Iyer with Incredible App. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about it. It's called GetUpside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up. All in cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use a promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people will drive a lot or making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or D gift card for Amazon and other brands. 
Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon on, or more cash back on your first tank. That's the promo code TOUCHDOWN there to get this amazing offer from GetUpside. All right, time uh, to uh, close the show. And as promised, we're going to look at the new coaching hires and what they mean. And looking at this, uh, we've got three out of four being offensive-minded. Let's start in order of prominence to me. Giants hire Brian Dable from the Canadian side of things, uh, almost. He's a Canadian there by his background. He's also been a coach for Nick Saban and Bill Belichick in the past. Brian Dable, you knew the job was coming at some point. So he leaves Josh Allen, so they're going to have to find someone who works as well getting the most out of Josh Allen. So hard to ignore that. The Giants trying to get quarterback right, whether it's Daniel Jones or someone else. So uh, Brian Dable and Joe Shane, he was the guy that uh, worked under Brandon Bean. So Bill's brain trust comes over to the Giants. So they got to figure out, does Daniel Jones got the physical upside with his athleticism and arm to maybe mold into the next Josh Allen? Or do they want to look at Malik Willis or Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett and go in that direction? They do have two first-round picks pretty early here. In the top 10, they got one from the Bears and the Justin Fields trade. So it's going to be tempting. I think the number one priority here for the Giants is going to be offensive line play. That's going to help Saquon Barkley. They also have to reassess a wide receiver here. They expended some money on uh, Kenny Galladay. That didn't work out, so they might want to cut ties there. They also used a first-round pick on Kadarius Toney. How do they use him more in the offense here? And is the quarterback they want to attach to him? Daniel Jones, is Saquon Barkley going to be an important thing what they do? Or we know Dable's history with the Bills was throwing for a high volume and the running back being more complimentary here. We saw that at the end with Devin Singletary being effective. So there are a lot of parallels you can draw. The Bills uh, have a lot of good things they did offensively, but part of that was having a go-to receiver from the outside and step on digs. Galladay does not fit that bill. Maybe Tony does, in in sense, getting some complementary weapons as well that you can trust to stay healthy. Is Sterling Shepard the answer there? So a lot of question marks for Dable and Shane to figure out, but I think you have to upgrade offensive line. You have to think long and hard about whether you want to replace Jones at quarterback to uh, improve the fantasy football potential of New York Giants. Are the Denver Broncos going after Aaron Rodgers? So that's going to create some speculation here with Nathaniel Hackett. You remember his uh, father, Paul. He's now the coach. He was the offensive coordinator of Green Bay. They're under Matt LaFleur. So so Green Bay sensibilities going to Denver. Does that mean Aaron Rodgers is also going to Denver? That's going to increase the speculation here. Because Hackett and Rodgers, uh, just a good uh, relationship already. Working with LaFleur, and uh, this could give him an opportunity there for Denver to land him. They do have some good receivers, uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. They've invested some money in Sutton and Patrick. Judy's still on his rookie contract. You have Noah Fant there, first-round pick at tight end. You also have Javante Williams, a high upside second-round pick at running back. So a lot of good inheritance here. Don't forget about Garrett Bowles and the offensive line here. It's really come through as one of the... Rocks at left tackle there. So a lot of things that Aaron Rodgers would have an appeal from. They have some defensive pieces as well. We know that are left over from the Vic Fangio era. So that's what we're going to be concerned with. Uh, Where do the Broncos go quarterback? Hackett gives some hope for that quarterback and really helps Javonta Williams a lot in year two. Melvin Gordon's a free agent, so you figure he's not going to be back. And uh, Williams can have a big uh, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon-like feel 
in this offense for the Broncos. So we're excited about Javante Williams being an RB1. We're excited about the potential of these receivers with another quarterback, Rodgers and anyone else, but Rodgers would be preferred because that would instantly upgrade everyone and make Denver more of a legitimate threat there with Kansas City in the division, the Chargers, Justin Herbert, Chiefs and Mahomes. Broncos would definitely be on the radar there. And again, that's what we're going to look at, but this is great news for Devonta Williams, great news for the receivers. Uh, Cortland Sutton in particular to emerge as the number one if healthy here. Just have to round it out with a guy throwing the ball to them. The Raiders uh, may have also made their move to try to get to Aaron Rodgers by hiring Josh McDaniels. Remember Tom Brady had talked about Aaron Rodgers. If he had played the Josh McDaniels system, he would have had some massive seasons there and there been unstoppable he already has been as an MVP level for the Packers but McDaniel's interesting combination there they go with the Patriots combo the Giants with the Bills combo the Broncos tapped into the Packers so that's what you do try to follow the most successful franchises a little bit surprising that Rich Bisaccia the special teams coach didn't get a little bit more love in the search for McDaniel's bit of out of left field for the Raiders because we thought they were going for the Jim Harbaugh sweepstakes or going for another younger offensive mind but McDaniels gets a second chance. Remember, he was the Broncos head coach at one point. So interesting uh, things developing there between Denver and Las Vegas, trying to catch up with uh, Kansas City and Los Angeles in the AFC West. But McDaniels, I think it's a pretty good hire. But the question mark is, do they like Josh or do they like Josh McDaniels with Derek Carr at quarterback? So that's going to be the, the question mark there because McDaniels want to go outside. I think they definitely need wide receiver help for sure with uh, the unfortunate incident with Henry Ruggs at third. Brian Edwards looks okay. Hunter Renfro has been pretty good as a slot receiver beyond Darren Waller's there, but I think you need to get that legitimate number one outside overall. So some opportunities here with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson of Ohio State, James Williams of Alabama, and plenty of other guys that we talked about uh, Remember for the Chiefs, London and Burks and Dotson, some of these guys that can really play wide receiver. John Mechie, we'll see if he can get recovered to this draft process from Alabama and have some appeal. But wide receiver seems like a big priority. Offensive line, especially in the interior, looks important here for the Raiders. So they should have an offensive-minded feel. Gruden was offensive-minded as well, we know that. But McDaniels, again, maybe accelerating, trying to get a veteran presence here. And Hacking McDaniels, you've got to figure those hires, have something in mind, and maybe try to appeal to Rodgers or Russell Wilson or somebody like that here in 2022. Finally, the Bears hired Matt Eberflus. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator of the Colts. So Eberflus gets on the board. Nick Sirianni, we know, is the coach of the Eagles. He came from the offensive side under Frank Reich in Indianapolis. Eberflus is going to take care of the defense, and I think why they went with a defensive-minded hire, first, they had Matt Nagy, an offensive-minded hire. Two, they went with a guy that has some good complementary football and knows how to call defense there, playing with Frank Reich. They've been excellent there up front with their pass rushers, pretty good secondary. You have Darius Leonard tying it all together, so the Bears have to like that. When you look at the, some of the players they have, Roquan Smith and and. Uh, Khalil Mack coming back from his injury. Eddie Jackson on the backside, uh, some safety that they like. So, again, Eberflus had to solidify the defense. What will be good is that he'll put the offense totally in the hands of whoever's operating with uh, Justin Fields there. So Fields should be in good shape. Uh, Longo scout told me that it's always good to have a defensive-minded coach who kind of stays hands-off with the offense and lets it do what it wants. And Eberflus, I think, will do that. I think the Bears will have some run 
sensibilities here. That is their strength with David Montgomery, but they'll make good use of Darnell Mooney. Try to get Fields and Mooney going. Allen Robinson not going to be back there. New general manager as well for the Bears. So Ryan Poles takes over. So it's going to be something to watch here with uh, their direction. But I would expect Eberflus is going to use his influence to fix the defense in his image here. And then they'll work, go to work offensively, personnel-wise, to make sure that Justin Fields is in good shape for full-time starting in year number two. All right, there you have it. There's a breakdown of new coaching hires. So again, we're on the watch for Brady. We're on the watch for Jim Harbaugh to the Vikings. A lot of things that we will break down for you as they happen here. Locked on fantasy football. But we wanted to update you and not forget about that, especially when they have, can have some key fantasy football implications here. For 2022, this is just the start of our advanced scouting all season, off season long for Locked on Fantasy Football. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your gambling analysis show here on the network, hosted by your boy Q, featuring the expert analysis of one Lee Sterling. So exciting show there. They'll break down this game from the early betting perspective of Bengals and Rams. We still have a lot more to come here, so we'll break things down as they come here. A lot of uh, good stuff. We've got a new mock draft that you can check out for me at Sporting News as well, so... We'll continue to break down things in the offseason. We'll start to look at some teams here. And uh, eventually we'll uh, talk all Super Bowl next week. So looking forward to that. For this edition of Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great rest of your Monday. And we'll talk to you there, breaking things down for the offseason here on Locked on Fantasy Football.